0: Good morning. Welcome to episode 22. 22.
1: Of
0: <laughs> Maker That Money. I am Pooch of Repcord, and with me I have my trusty sidekick, Andrew Mayhall, King of the Empire of Sticky. Good morning, Andrew. How are <laughs> Good you
1: morning, doing? Pooch. How are you?
0: I'm great, man. Uh, it's been a fun week. Uh, this is a little bit different because you're with us uh, yeah. in, in the flesh. Today, yeah. Right? Yeah, so it's it's we kind of weird. You we don't normally get to do that. Uh, I'm I'm sporting my new uh, Revo. Oh, a plug swag. A plug E3D here. Yeah, eh? well, shout out to E3D <laughs> for sending me that. So I'm, I'm excited about that. We had an awesome <clears throat> week. You are actually uh, in town mm-hmm. at headquarters. Um this week and, uh, touring the facility. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and we've been just having a great time and uh, we've been happy to have you. So it's, yeah,
1: cool. it's been quite a blast
0: <laughs> and what a, what a fun way to round out the week, uh, as well with, a, another li- a live episode. Well, more live than usual. <laughs> Can we be yes. more live than the normal <laughs> extra live, extra live, <laughs> extra live. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we had a great week. Uh, I don't know if you, um, uh, had a chance to reflect on it as much as I have, no. so far. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thinking about, we, we like to talk about wins, uh, and stuff. And, uh, you, you were actually very helpful in coming out and offering some consultant, consulting services <laughs> to us. And, uh, we did a lot of analysis of our process and, uh, um, man did we really dig in almost to the point where it's like really excited about some new things that we're going to try to implement in our production exciting Um, stuff right but it's it's like the it is uh but obviously there's a long way to go with implementation and stuff (laughs) still too so uh but it was uh it was a lot of fun um yeah man okay so this this week uh I picked what well, we picked the topic mm-hmm. that um we've kind of chatted about before yeah to, uh, to a bit yeah yeah we we um we, we've said the term mVp before on past mm-hmm. podcasts uh, yep. in, in referring to minimum viable product mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's something that when you're just kind of getting started and and whatnot everybody has you know different strategy yep uh of how how they'll kind of roadmap out what Mm -hmm. they want to do absolutely but uh you know it's it's never the same for anybody and when we talk about minimum viable product i think that as a maker Mm -hmm. oftentimes we uh get way too into the weeds and just want to make the best thing (laughs) absolutely possible (laughs) immediately right yep um and so this is this is kind of an exercise for a lot of a lot of makers to mm-hmm. to really kind of take a second, dial it back, yep, uh, and analyze what is it that what is the minimum amount that I need to get this thing to market? It, absolutely. And uh, why why do you think that that's an important exercise?
1: Well, you know, as you were saying, uh, you know, us makers, we we love to just make. And we like to stretch our legs to thinking about how do we build this or how do we improve this or what could we do to make this just in generally better or add functionality or features, you know, kind of scope creep, if you will, we're all prone to it. right um, And, you know, coming in with the mindset of I need to scale that back. Uh, what can I do to make my workload easier into getting something out the door? Uh, it's hard because we're not really wired to do that. We 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 just we we blue sky a lot. We think oh, like, yeah. oh, I could do this and this and that, and 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 next thing you know, you're throwing the kitchen sink in, and <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> it's
0: it's so tempting, right? Yep. Uh, because we we we've said this before. We look at our product as a reflection of ourselves a lot of the time, right? <laughs> and so when it's not as awesome as you know that it's capable, of, and you feel like mm-hmm. you have to justify, like yep. like I, I know that there was a, a number of times when I was first, you know, released in Repbox and stuff like that. It was like, oh, wait, we're working on this and just like, wait, yeah. like I'm aware. You, you almost want to like preempt... <laughs> the feedback about like, well, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? So it's yep. like this inherent defensiveness sometimes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> to to defending your design decisions and stuff like that. But that that can be really inhibiting mm-hmm. in terms of getting it out there, mm-hmm. getting some obviously some very much needed revenue in to help oh, yes. continue to drive the process. Get some feedback, mm-hmm. you know, in. And a lot of times like we don't consider the value of actually holding back Um, you know, there've been a lot of case studies, the way way that like, say Apple does like, um, you know, iterative approach where they, they, they have a roadmap or Intel, for example, they they kind of know where they want to be, but they're not going to just try to do it all at once. Right. And as you grow, that obviously becomes more and more critical because Mm -hmm. every little bit of scope. In, you know, enhancement is just going to add time and money and cost.
1: Yeah, time, cost, and and resources that you might not have as a as a business.
0: And it potentially limits your ability to iterate a V two or sure. implement continuous improvement and things like that. So it's, uh, it's definitely got a lot of um, uh, a lot more value. I would say beyond just you know getting it out there and getting money right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. it actually kind of can create a longer term um you know ecosystem for you or or a set of products for sure improvements with with rep box we kind of started with a base box and then we realized Mm -hmm. like oh people were asking for like how how do we improve the ceiling on it so we added a seal kit Uh, you know how do we sure how do we um you know measure that we added the humidity Mm -hmm. and stuff like that now with gloop yeah. Um, so I'm guessing you've done some similar iterating uh, sort throughout, of. throughout the year.
1: Well, so, so our MVP comes in a little bit different way. Um, as, as makers, we tend to think that an MVP means a product because, well, product is in the name of minimum viable product. But in reality, what MVP actually means is what is the minimum ability to prove out. That there is a there is a product or a service or something there worth chasing after, mm. uh, and so you know um, the minimum viable product really came about uh, out of a, a book called The Lean Startup. Um, I believe his name was Eric Rise. Uh, it's a great book. If you haven't read it, I definitely recommend it. You probably will want to read it two or three times in order to absorb all of that knowledge. Um, but Eric is a, is an entrepreneur. I believe he was a serial entrepreneur. And he came up with this idea of what could we do to minimize the amount of, of effort put into a startup and maximize its growth potential. Okay. And this idea of of being able to define clearly define what is a minimum viable solution, uh, a minimum viable product to get out the door so that the startup can start making money. And this was more so evaluated as a business decision, not as a product decision. Okay, uh, which is which is kind of a little counterintuitive uh, in a lot of ways. So for Gloop, our minimum viable product, yes, we did have a product, but it was more so to test to see. If we actually had a case or solved, you know, solved for a problem, had a solution that other people were having, hmm. uh, and so what we did was we actually launched Gloop on Kickstarter, right? And you know, we had the formula, we had a, you know, we we went through our own testing, we determined like, okay, yeah, this is kind of the minimum thing to get it working, but ultimately, what was really the test for our minimum viable product is is could we actually sell the thing? And sometimes this is simple as a landing page with a "Buy It Now" button, and you're kind of selling on a promise. Mm. In, in some cases, okay. Um, at least that's you know my understanding. Um, you know, an MVP doesn't have to have a ton of technical components to it. Uh, you know, and and as makers, we constantly are like, oh, again, you know, maybe this is my minimum viable product, or maybe this is, and, and we we think in the technical sense, but. Maybe evaluate in the business sense, like what would be the bare minimum requirements in order to have a product that you could sell?
0: Sure. And, and, and a lot of times the challenge is we're, we're too much in our own head around the assumptions that we make. Mm-hmm. It's it's really hard to be, uh, you know, the driver of the business and then still try to look at it with consumer eyes. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you're so unbelievably biased Mm-hmm. to what it is that you think this thing should be because that's all you're thinking about all day long. Absolutely. And that's not necessarily what the customer wants or needs. And, we, and you're, you're you're, just thinking like, well, like if I just make a box for like holding filament that I can like put up on the wall, mm-hmm. you know, is that good enough? It was. It was very much Absolutely. good enough. Like people are like, I got a lot of filament. I want to organize it. I want to put it up there. But it was like all the things that I wanted it to be mm-hmm. originally uh, you know, I wanted to have, I wanted to make sure it was, you know, sealed and, and, uh, it was going to be more, you know, optimized for printing mm-hmm. multi-material and all this stuff. And those things were what we had to leverage later on over time. And it was a really tough process to be like, you know what, this is good enough for now. Like yep. convincing yourself that it's good enough. Yes. Because you don't want, ever want your product or the thing that you're that close to to feel like it's only good enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It's 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 a terrible feeling. And you know, with, with Gloop, we still do minimum viable products today. Uh, I've mentioned before, uh, you know, on the show that we are constantly iterating our products, and the Gloop that you get today is nothing like the Gloop that we had when we originally launched some four and a half years ago.
0: Like formulaically, formulaically, packaging, packaging, all
1: of that. that. Right. It has it has developed over time. Okay. And so each time we're thinking about getting a new version, or you know, internally we're figuring out how could we make chemical changes. What could we do to increase the you know the production efficiency? Right. uh, You know, because gloop is a chemical product and it's a reaction. Right. There's there's errors in that reaction. When we were first running it, we had a lot of waste. Uh, we did not have the reactions tuned efficiently. So where we determined uh, there's, you know, what the minimum viable product is, is an acceptable amount of waste of like, you know, 40%, which is crazy to think about like, oh, you produce something and 40% just goes out the window. Right. You know, but these are, uh, you know, also again, uh, you know, elements that go into the equation of building an MVP. Yeah. Yeah. And there's,
0: a lot of elements, right, as oh, we yes. know. And so sometimes just the process of going through and laying that out and organizing mm-hmm. it is, uh, is is crazy. Um, I want to apologize, first of all, if you guys are uh, following, we do this recording every uh, Friday at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know we weren't about to miss it this week. You know, you're, you're, you're here. Uh, I want to apologize. I, apparently there was something going on with the stream where we weren't actually getting the chat feed. So thank you so much for all you guys uh, that are, are joining us regularly, feeding us questions and stuff like that. Uh, we always love... Of seeing you here, and if uh, you're listening back to the recording after the fact, please uh, come in and uh, participate in the conversation because we love, we love having that. Um, just a just a thing. I know what we have our, our little join the conversation. Typically, we mm-hmm. are a call in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. line. But unfortunately this time we had to kind of hastily move the studio uh, <laughs> And so we weren't able to get all of that stuff So we, we, we can now see the chat and all that stuff uh, And uh, like I said, feel free uh, to join us Alex Gibson, welcome from the UK I uh, got to meet him uh, Awesome Seeing a lot of familiar faces in the chat Filament Stories, Courtney uh, Thank you guys for being here um, well, let me, Let's let get to a comment Chris, one of our uh, Yes Favorite, uh, comment is what he, he says, uh, there are some differences in MVP from software to hardware. Mm-hmm. 3d printing is interesting because production can be more flexible yes. and iterative, right? And so this goes back to what we've talked about in the past where mm-hmm. we can really lean into that continuous improvement yep. workflow yeah. in a way that, that, extends the the value of your product and allows you to even monetize it further as you as you grow yeah i mean how cool is that it's amazing and
1: what what we really see with 3d printing or even uh in general the concept of light manufacturing is the ability of uh you know this this new piece of digital manufacturing where you're designing your components in cad and you're going direct from that cad to a you know, a plastic object or a laser cut or CNC'd part. And we're kind of blurring the lines between, you know, this, this idea of a software and a a hardware, you know, sort of mentality. Yes, we still have hardware, of course, but that hardware is made out of code that we're programming in a computer that's then turned into that piece of hardware. And we can do it at such a pace now where, you know, we have this ultimate flexibility, so it's no longer having to help go and have an injection mold made, or have you know a whole crazy CNC operation made just to get your part, and wait three, four, six weeks, right. and you have to order in massive quantities. Right. It's yeah. It's incredible.
0: No, and, and and it's like it's such. A, I, I mean, I, I I will geek out to the mm-hmm. ends of the earth about like this. We have so many awesome tool sets mm-hmm. at our uh, at our fingertips yes. now. Like 3D printing, like CNC, like the uh, the more that we, um, and and the the price of these things are are coming down, right, rapidly. Like we're using consumer grade 3D printers to print mm-hmm. production, ready production ready, parts. ready yeah. parts, right? Which would have been unheard of mm-hmm. not too long ago, and it, it, to some extent, it it allows you to kind of uh, skirt the the gap between, say, like the Etsy craft store. Mm-hmm. So it's you know. Granted, it might look a lot nicer if we use like an SLS part or something sure. like that. Sure, but again, that's a that's a means of iterating and improving mm-hmm. and improving the product feel and stuff like that. When we talk about MVP, I would argue it's far more important to get the data, get it out there, and let the sales do the testing for exactly. you. Exactly. Right. Don't worry about the fit and finish as much as mm-hmm. like, is this useful product?
1: And, and so that's what Eric talks about in his book. Is is like, what could we do to get it out there and use the customer as a as essentially a test vehicle, uh, you know how could we iterate on the customer and get that incredibly valuable feedback so that we know what to change internally to make the product inherently more valuable. Because, like you were saying earlier, we're all stuck in our own heads, and if we don't actually have data coming in, it it be, it just becomes a you know an echo chamber where it's just we keep feeding ourselves the same idea, and then we
0: ultimately get to this understanding that might not be valid. Right. Completely. Right. And what better way to validate an idea than letting people vote with their dollars, right? Exactly. Now, now that's not as easy, obviously. There's Mm -hmm. a lot more that goes into it. It's not like, if you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this before, where it's like, oh, it's great. I put it out there. Nobody bought it. Well, you have to make sure that you have the runway to market it, to get it out there, because... Yeah. I always say as you get started you 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 have a, an awareness problem more than a sales problem
1: well and you actually bring up a really excellent point too is is there's this other idea of a minimum marketable product so what is the minimum uh, you know uh, amount of MMP. material yeah what is the minimum uh, differentiation that you need in order to be able to effectively market this mm. uh, and and this can go into some other concepts such as a red ocean or a blue ocean uh, you know sort of you know kind of just generality, yeah. and so what those mean, just to give a little bit of high level, uh, you know, there are always different markets, uh, different verticals throughout, you know, the entire, you know, economy, and it, a red ocean. You can kind of view is is there is a lot of competition. There's a lot of sharks in the water, there's a lot of bigger fish, okay. and they're constantly eating the smaller fish. They're constantly, you know, basically just tearing each other apart. Just,
0: just an ocean laden of blood. With exactly, blood. exactly. <laughs> right.
1: And what you find is, is that it's hard to develop something new in a red ocean. Right. Because it's chummed up. Exactly. There's so much <laughs> chum there. Yeah. Uh, so the idea of this blue ocean mentality is, is being able to move out of those red waters and get go to, to, yeah, get, to mm. get to areas that are less crowded, less populated. And this is where there's a real advantage for 3D printing because now we have this ability to create something that was traditionally not possible to be created. Right. And at a cost at which now affordable, right. and it makes you know more economical sense, and and we see this happen where people start as a simple Etsy store, and then they grow, or maybe they're starting as just a little side project, and then it grows into a viable business. Sure,
0: and I know, I, listen, I guys, I know I flippantly say you know be better than Etsy and stuff like that, but I don't want to diminish the value of just uh, 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 getting it out there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all about MVP is all about you know, getting it out there. Uh, and and Etsy can be a fantastic way to do that at a very affordable rate. Like you don't want to waste your time working on the website, doing all the little things. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it, minimum viable product extends beyond just the product itself to how do I get this thing to market quickly so I can get the information that I need so I can test mm-hmm. my premise that this is a sellable product.
1: Absolutely. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, I think it was Chris that we we touched on earlier mentions. There's differences between the software world and the mm-hmm. we'll call it the hardware world, the product yeah. world, the tangible world. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of MVP, uh, we both kind of have some experience in in so- you you you're actually hardware software or whatnot. I was a web mm-hmm. developer for a long time before I started doing this, and we had conversations about how do we just get this thing published? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we get this pushed? And we can always add pages. You know, Mm -hmm. with with software and with websites, especially like, you know, you don't I I never I was always advocating not to view it as it is never complete. Sure. It is a living, breathing thing, just like Mm -hmm. ideally, I would think a product to some extent. Now, obviously, there are different cycles of maturity for product. Yeah. And some. Are just classic, uh, you know, things that have not changed a whole lot, mm-hmm. you know. But for for software, I think one of the things, and Chris, maybe you have some follow on in terms of w- what your feelings are. Like a lot of the differences are, mm-hmm. it's important to get it out there so you can get user testing and all that stuff the same way that we would look at that in the product world. Absolutely. yeah, do you have any experience with doing software development?
1: So not so much software development. Um, you know in, in my previous startup, we had hardware and some software, uh, but the software was mainly in the in the, fir- the form of firmware. so it wasn't like direct access. So okay. this was like the, the code that ran on the low level boards that would de- you know determine how the platform operated. Right. Uh, and we very frequently leveraged that MVP idea of okay, this works good enough. Uh, for, for those that don't know, we had a storage platform, so uh, it was basically a, a, a giant array of, of hard drives. And for the longest time, we didn't have the ability to determine which where the hard drive was in the storage array because the firmware wasn't written to do that at first. I see. Uh, and so, you know, we would just you know, call it good enough until eventually it's like, okay, well, hey, maybe we'll just write a subroutine that, that flash or that, you know, spins the drive up and, and and you know, and then turns off all of the other drives so you can find it as a quick and dirty thing until we can get the LEDs working. Mm. It, it was a funny story, but it, it worked. Yeah. And uh, that, that actually made it out to production for a few months before
0: we actually made the rest of it work. <laughs> well, we, we've said multiple times uh, during the course of this week, you know, uh, the, the, if it works Mm -hmm. isn't wrong yeah and that kind of ties into what we're talking about right where it's like if you were to start looking part of the reason as a as a a Mm -hmm. software programmer like you almost have this inherent fear of other people seeing your code because you realize like what a kludge it is you know like it's just (laughs) duct tape bubble gum and (laughs) pops the sticks yeah and there's such a focus on like elegant uh coding and all this stuff and you're like look i just had to meet the deadline and i just i couldn't figure this routine out so i just you know band-aided it together and that kind of um it, you know, ties into what we're talking about, right? Sometimes you just need to get it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be painful. You know, you mm-hmm. could really, you don't realize that maybe by just spinning up the hard drive as a means of testing it, yeah. like you're putting more wear on oh, it. Oh, we absolutely were. Ultimately, <laughs> cause problems down the road. Absolutely. So you can't just like ignore the band aid fixes. You do have to go back and fix them. Yeah. But uh, you know, that's that's something. Yeah. Uh, to, how do you how do you strike that balance? Mm-hmm. Mike uh, never let the machine wins in the chat. He goes, Etsy is a great place to learn, but not the best place to make profit for some profit uh, products. Sure. Excellent distinction. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, when we're talking about MVP and just getting it out there, mm-hmm. that's not really a profit centered Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, technique. No,
1: it's it's really not. It's it's what can I do to prove my concept has legs? Right. Uh, and you know, for for a while, like with with us at Gloop, we weren't making a ton of profit on every bottle that we were producing. It was really just how could we get the bottles produced? How could we get it out? And I, I remember. Uh, when we the first batch of bottles that we had ever bottled after uh, our kickstarter order we had gotten some seals in and the seals you know per our spec but the seals ended up leaking really badly compared to the ones that, oh. you know that we had befo- you know that we came up with later and we had bottled them all up with these bad seals. And we're like, well, wait, w- you know, these work for now. We'll get them out the door. And then, you know, we knew that there were s- some issues happening. And yeah. so the people who got their first bottles, you know, we had to really just send them more bottles. Once we figured out how do we get the seals
0: that, you know, have a better sealing ability. Uh, wow, that's interesting. So you actually chose to continue the, mm-hmm. the ship, even though you knew it was going to ultimately result in you having a to another.
1: send more. And, and you know, maybe that wasn't the right case, but we wanted to make for sure that we hit our deadline. What was more important to us was proving because we were we were no ones at first, right, but proving that we could <clears throat> deliver a product, that we weren't going to be another Kickstarter that doesn't deliver. That's oh, this doesn't make sense. And so I, I believe like fifty percent of those orders that people had, we ended up reshipping whole bottles to them because we didn't have the correct seals in
0: there. I, you know, I did not know that, uh, <laughs> is, and I've got a lot of respect for the fact that, um, you know, Kickstarter is notorious like, mm-hmm. so for people just, like oh, it's delayed, it's delayed, it's delayed. So you were that committed to your timeline.
1: We knew that we had to, otherwise the, the future of the company just in general would, you know, in our eyes be in jeopardy because we weren't, we weren't people of our words.
0: Wow. Now, so so I, listen, I'm with you. Like, your integrity is everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like you want to say, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to follow up on it. And unfortunately there are times where it's just like we try, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. communication is the most por- important part about that. If you, even if you're not meeting it right, if, you, if you're like, look, I'm aware you're out in front of it. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I know I said it was going to be this week. It's actually going to be next week. It's going to be the week after ap- whatever. Mm-hmm. And that gets really crummy when you have to do that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Now you are actually making an evaluation like, well, how bad is this? How much is it legal? Like, because there, there are potential hazmat implications for mm-hmm. you and all this stuff. And so yeah. you're weighing like, that could have gone really differently. It
1: could have, yeah. And so we we knew that the seals, so you know, in particular these seals, they would they would allow air in over time, and it wasn't like the bottle was at risk for okay, exploding. So it wasn't stuff wasn't leaking, leaking out of it. it air air incursion, air, air incursion that would cause, yeah, exactly. And and so th- that was the issue. We also had different types of our, you know, now we offer these metal squeeze tubes for our products. Right. Back in the day, we didn't have that. They were plastic syringes, and we knew that the shelf life was. Was very low on those plastic syringes, uh, I see. Uh, but we only found that out after testing, after lifetime testing, life yeah. cycle testing, if you will. And again, same concept. If we needed to get the product delivered, and uh, this is what actually ended up getting encoded into Gloops DNA, is we now have this. You know, this. Uh, you know, we like to pride ourselves on the customer service, but people who have been long-term customers, they come back. Uh, you know, if they have an issue, they email us, and we're like, okay, yeah, we understand. We ship them a whole bottle, a whole replacement bottle, or you know something, you know, and maybe it's not the best business decision, but what we find is, is we actually create this amazing loyalty between right. us and our customers, right. and, and this amazing support.
0: Well, you know this this ties back to a component, and we both have different feels about the the merits of say bootstrapping versus mm-hmm. venture funding and stuff like that. But when when I when I look back on what I want people to perceive my company to be. Mm-hmm. This is the long game mm-hmm. in the sense that you're getting that product out there. You know that it may be imperfect. You may have to reship it. Yep. And profitability is not the priority. Yep. Especially with I, I would argue MVP. I, I think there's there's probably a balance. There's stuff. a balance, sure. But, but in the in the world of You know, when you think about your investors are constantly Mm -hmm. like, how quickly am I getting my return on investment Mm -hmm. and what that does for your business decision process, right? Because they are focused, you you know, the pressure is coming from above on, we need to be making money. Yes, absolutely. Now, that's not... That's not always okay. It just depends on what the the structure is and who the, what the ownership thing is. But mm-hmm. that is not a good place to be when you are first making a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I'm with you. It's more about establishing a brand, establishing integrity. You know, getting it done correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 it may start out. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Chris had a great saying. It's it's about going from jank to tank. It may yeah. feel janky yep. uh, to begin <laughs> with, but you want to have the the ability to make that decision that you know what, like I, it, profits be damned. Yep, I want to make sure that this is right for my customer because in the long game, absolutely, winning that customer for life is v- far more important than mm-hmm. making sure your investors are getting paid right away. But mm-hmm. You know that t- time is the x factor there, and you've you've been through both. You've, yes, you've, yeah, and mm-hmm. you've felt that pressure absolutely, and, and
1: it's in, it's immense and it's unrelenting. It's disheartening <laughs> too, because yeah. you know you know that the solution you know, is is way down the road. And, you know, they they are constantly pushing you to say, well, you know, in, in essence, they're, they're pushing you as like, okay, well, MVP is good enough. Like, you know, they're very hardcore on that MVP, but also at the same time, it's to the point where they prioritize the profits more than the actual functionality. And so what you'll end up seeing is, is that uh, you'll have these artificial, you know, fragmentations of products or, you know, how can we squeeze, every last dollar out of this thing and you know if there are problems we're not as you know understanding or you know it's just like well you know that's not in the contract so see you later Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. And that's not every company no but no, certainly
0: know. not but it, it would feel very frustrating if you feel like okay we're building this up and we're getting somewhere uh, and we've got some money to go to the next thing and then it's like being swept out because it's like well we need to do a distribution or we yeah like, like uh, mm-hmm. I'm back down again and yep. so it's like you Feeling, and I, I that that happens in bootstrapping in mm-hmm. venture capital, right? Yep. Where it's like there's just fundamental like cash is king. Like mm-hmm. you need that revenue in order to continue operations, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the setting the tone for the decision making process mm-hmm. uh, and the and the company culture, and, absolutely and all that stuff that that becomes critical. Uh, Mike brings up a good point too. It's about knowing your market when you're in a, a mm-hmm. very tight knit community, yes, niche community. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't be making decisions in the in the macro as if you're, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just uh, blasting this thing out to everybody on Amazon. Like, it's, yeah. it's all about that relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, local maker, MI, says he just thought his glue bottles were drying up and it was his fault. Um Okay. <laughs> so, so can you hide behind yeah. oh you must be doing something <laughs> wrong
1: so you know uh, we um, you know as uh, as glute progressed a little bit more on that story um, as glute progressed we we a transition from several different seal type materials. Ultimately, what we'd landed on uh, was that the, the metal cap, the closure that we were sourcing. Uh, again, this is another perfect example of an MVP. Uh, we were sourcing these from another company, and th- this company—that's what they produce. They mass produce. We asked for customization. Uh, they were like, "Well, not really, because you know you're no one. That's you know." And so we had to figure it out for ourselves. Right. And so that's where we're like, "Okay, well, what could we do to extend the life of?" Loop as much as possible, and we started getting these very special custom rubber sheets made. And then we would uh, we we actually made the internal decision that it made more sense for us to literally cut these down on a Cricut machine and that has extended all the way up until just literally a couple weeks ago yeah. where you know we are now finally again we we were focused on getting what what made sense right now and then once we had proven that these were again the solution we could then order in mass quantity so an injection mold for this very special type of rubber that we're getting in that you know makes it just in general all, all around better but right, right. as another part of that was these metal closures we knew where the problem they weren't they weren't formed correctly they were easy to cross thread if you didn't get it on correctly it, it, your glue would go bad so there's at, at some point after the kickstarter a few months when we found these solutions and ran with it for the the previous three and a half years or so uh you know there there was a give and take where it was probably our fault but it was also probably partially the customer's fault but we knew this and we knew that it wasn't perfect for us so we're like sure you know we're going to replace
0: it for you sure. because it's 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 not right but imagine imagine what it would have been like if you hadn't released and Mm -hmm. and had to wait until you had enough money to get to this like custom thing i don't think think we would be around you wouldn't be there right Mm -hmm. so it's like that's exactly why it's just like sometimes you just got to make that compromise and get out there and that is a hard thing to. well
1: and and you know what's what's also interesting is is i do believe that because we were so like open and we kind of encoded that we wanted to make for sure that we would get a product out there and Mm -hmm. we'd take care of the customers early on that when we Actually made the jump for injection molded caps just before COVID happened, and then COVID you know caused all of these massive delays. The injection molding company was ended up basically going out of business and was purchased by another company, and that company had to pick the project back up. We right. could go to the customers because at that point you know we had collected some pre-orders for those caps. We could go to them and say, "Listen, there's a lot of things that are out of our hands. We are so sorry about this. Um, you know, but uh, you know we're working on it. We're trying to get it. And again, we we tried." To make right in every way, but really again, holding true to that MVP, continuing to ship those those you know metal closures, offering Gloop to people who had pre-ordered, saying, "Listen, we'll ship you a metal closure one right now, and when it comes in, we'll ship you the you know the correct
0: one because you did pre-order." Yeah. Um, yeah. So
1: it, it, it was interesting.
0: <laughs> sure, and I'm sure you would have preferred not to have to do that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, I think in the long run, again, we're playing the long game, right, yep. guys. Like this is not, you know, if you're looking just looking to make some quick cash and stuff like that, <laughs> this type of of community and pro, you know is not is not for you. Yep. you know, there's uh, tons of other ways. Everybody knows that. I was going to say, um, you know, a lot. We we're in warm waters here, not uh-huh. not red red oceans, yeah. but Warm waters in terms of like we have a lot of people that have been our customers, supported mm-hmm. us for a long time and you know mike makes a really lovely comment about you know uh, happy to promote our products because we're part of the community we sure. want to get back and stuff and this is exciting for a, you know a absolutely we love being yeah. part of this thing and and one of the big advantages is exactly what he says. You guys give us a ton of grace, you know, mm-hmm. like given yes. the stupid things that I feel like <laughs> I've put out there. And like, and when I say you guys, I mean, customers yeah. as a whole, yeah. you know, by showing that like you're trying and mm-hmm. that you're trying to improve and you're trying to p- solve problems. Like I'm not trying to rip anybody off. You're not yeah. trying to rip anybody off. Like we're literally doing the best we can mm-hmm. to try to get that out there. And by establishing that and being that direct and communicative with mm-hmm. the community, you are afforded a lot of grace, and a lot of times you're winning people over that are that are then helping you with your marketing, and mm-hmm. like you're not having to pay. I mean, the Mike, you know, promoting our yeah. stuff is worth its weight. We appreciate you, man. absolutely. All of you guys, yeah, that, that every time you just have you know our product in the background of a picture that you post online or whatever, mm-hmm. like that is worth far more than. What I would I would argue like some of these Amazon reviews are these days. Even because it's just like there it
1: is. That's the rubber meat in the road. The conversations that happen offline to other people, other fellow makers that are like, oh hey, this is what I'm doing. Like again, uh, you know, invaluable.
0: And I, I and I love it. I love mm-hmm. seeing. I love my uh, seeing my stuff out there in the it's wild. Awesome. I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. And um, it's. you know, people don't like being sold to Mm -hmm. They like exploring on their own. And so when they see that and they ask the question, Hey, what is that thing? Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh, I love this thing. Let me tell you about it. You know? And it's like, I didn't, I didn't know you've got this sales force out yeah, there for you. it's that you incredible. To... You
1: know, we we get tagged in Facebook groups every now and again. It's like, oh, hey, you know, I'm building this part. Epoxy's broken. Uh, you know what what's going on? And they're like, oh, everyone, you know, like use Gloop, use Gloop, and it's it's just like, wow, I didn't realize, you, you know, and yeah. it's just it's amazing.
0: No, and it feels great. So what mm-hmm. we're saying is, the check is in the mail, guys. Like we, you know, <laughs> it's coming. No, um, but we we appreciate the fact, and I, I I'm always. I don't want to say embarrassed too, but I look at it I'm like, man, my stuff is way more expensive. I beat myself up about cost more than sure. anybody. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's like I, I want I want it to be accessible and mm-hmm. affordable. I don't want to forget our roots. And I feel like you know, history is rife with examples of companies that that mm-hmm. come from humble beginnings. <clears throat> Makerbot. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then like become this big corporate thing yeah. they got bought out by Stratus and maybe that's not totally fair, but it's pretty fair. It's pretty fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and, and, and you know, it feels like, I don't know if it's like turning your back on them, but it's like you used to be part of this community mm-hmm. and now it's all about, you know, yeah, the it's all about bills. the monies. <laughs> and yes, I understand like as you grow and 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 you and take on investors and things like mm-hmm. unfortunately like things can change. Mm-hmm. But um that's that's such a challenge, right? Yeah, it is.
1: Well, you know, I I mean every business is in business to make money, right? And yeah. and as a customer of of any business, you know, we always have to keep that I think in the back of our mind saying, well, you know, we understand like you know, we we have to um we have to, you know, kind of just Understand that there's going to be a cost of working with this business and and, and not really like beating someone up about it yeah. um, But you know and, and and there will be business decisions that we ultimately have to make as we scale and We're making them now. It's like okay Well, we do have to start considering and caring for our shipping expenses Or we do have to start caring and considering how often we we are replacing bottles for right. people um, You know where is where is a more appropriate cutoff line because you know We can't just have customers coming back to us say. Oh, yeah my bottle dried up and you know it's like okay well here's a new bottle but we don't get any you know any sort of you know information back or anything else like that of okay well what happened how did you store it that sort of stuff so implementing processes those sorts of things as a business to make for sure that we are able to continue growing and delivering high quality products to customers which is important to us
0: well and to to tie it back to MVP, what's interesting to me is that 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 changes what what mm-hmm. minimum viable becomes mm-hmm. as you get more resources and all that stuff. Like there, there's a there's a different standard by which I would say you start to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Like you're probably going to be willing to hold back a little bit longer. Maybe the the Time between release cycles gets yep. further because the product gets more mature, so it doesn't always require sure yet. Mm-hmm. But um, you know that's an interesting challenge. And then the other part of it is that as the community, as the as the market and the this segment is you know let's mm-hmm. just talk about three D printing specifically sure it grows mm-hmm. and and becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and it moves away from. Uh, uh, I don't know if it'll ever move away. Well. Let's be realistic. Mm-hmm. As it becomes more and more mainstream, mm-hmm. you're going to have more and more customers that are just looking uh, at it as a commodity product. Yeah, absolutely. Or things mm-hmm. as a It depends on what it is. If we're talking about a printer versus well, adhesives or And whatever. we're
1: seeing that with filaments, too, absolutely. a lot of times. is like, well, this is just food for the printer. I, I don't really care yeah. You know what brand. There's a lot of people that do, but... Yeah, you know, there's more and more that don't.
0: But having watched the the quality and the amount of options out mm-hmm. there, and what the baseline for you know filament as, the, yeah. as there's just more manufacturers coming online, and we refine you know what the process is for extrusion. You know, it used to be. I, 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 I can't say that entirely, but if sure. it feels to me, and you guys tell me in the chat if you feel like this is true, but your concern around quality and tolerances, mm-hmm. like. The things that manufacturers need to do to distinguish get to be more like you know mm-hmm. fluffy stuff like dichromatics and, yeah and, exactly you know pretty not yeah. not worried as much about like well uh, and, and there's still there's always gonna be value producers out there mm-hmm. but like we've come to a place where thankfully I think there's more filament out there that's just it'll work right yep. it's and 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 then you know we can play with other aspects of it yeah I, I don't know if that makes sense no it does. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure Courtney has a lot of experience dealing with filaments and and her feeling. She can, you know, she may be, have been able to see over the over the years like how many Courtney, how many spools are you getting in and dealing with jams and out of tolerance stuff as maybe compared to five years ago? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, um, I don't feel like it's as much. But then again, I may be in my own head because we're holy. Most of what I use is the same stuff that sure that we have spec for what we do. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Making some some speculations, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, uh, Winslow, totally. Uh, filament is building blocks, bad filament, bad results. I always say garbage in, garbage out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that applies to all you know, yeah. aspects of, of, of what we do. Um, I wanted to scroll back here in my chat because Michal uh, had a... A comment about uh, he works in software to create 3d printed products okay business to business software uh, but also does b2c printing okay he finds the b2c mm-hmm. and we've talked about this before uh, allows better communication and faster changes uh with the user for mvp because you're getting oh, yeah that direct mm-hmm. customer feedback business mm-hmm. oftentimes uh, they're busy doing their own thing, and so they're not as interested in giving you feedback. It's it's interesting, because we've talked about, like, B2B, like, those are the customers to have, because they have money, and they don't, they're not picky in the same they way. They have deep pockets. Well, <laughs> what's funny is, it's not that they're not picky, necessarily. Yeah. It's just, you just don't hear from them. You
1: don't them. hear from them, exactly. Yeah, right. Well, and, you know, I, I know we're bad for this, too. Like, uh, with with uh, those seals that we're talking about having injection molded, we actually got some first articles in uh, a while ago, and it took us several weeks to get back to the co- to the company making them for this. They're so like, uh, do these Meet your spec. Uh, you know, uh, do you have any feedback? I, I, and we were kind of radio silence for a bit. And it, you know, it's on us. But um, you know, absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more that when when it comes down to a customer. Uh, you know, customers are, are just generally more willing to be vocal about certain things, certain right. aspects, right. Um, and even you know, even if it's not a bad thing, if it's a praise, you know, they're just like, wow, this is this solved a problem that I was experiencing, and th- they're so excited. You know, we get emails every now and again. Um, you know, it's still fairly frequently the like well, I found your product and it solved this problem. I love it. I will never go back to super glue or epoxy or whatever, you know, adhesive they were using. Right. And and that feedback is incredibly heartwarming and, and just like, wow, this is awesome. But it also kind of proves like, okay, we're on a good path here.
0: Right. So, right. and we've had this conversation before because I would say historically, somebody that does like what you do mm-hmm. will ultimately move more and more and more toward wholesale, right. Mm-hmm. As you scale this. Sure. Thing. Like think about, Crazy glue or Loctite mm-hmm. or yeah. anybody that's producing this type of thing, they don't really do direct sales. No, they're a monster like they're huge, mm-hmm. huge company and stuff like that. Now, when they got started, probably yeah. a different story. But you know, you're constantly saying, but but having that it's feedback, so valuable, especially in the context of uh, establishing what's. Minimum viable, or mm-hmm. what's you know what getting that that customer feedback is worth it to mm-hmm. you. You do a lot of pick and pack yourself, mm-hmm. uh, and you you know because you want that direct connection. You're building up your, mm-hmm. your mailing list. Uh, yep. There's just all these little uh, other benefits from well, doing that. So it's maybe it, a yeah. combination of it,
1: it is going to be a combination. And well, and as a bootstraps you know startup. Every dollar counts. And so for us, you know, we look at it. This is one of those business decisions, right? If we were to just go wholesale to everything, 30, 40% deduction on the money that we're bringing in, because we have to allow that, that reseller or someone else to make their cut of the money. Yeah. And and it uh, prevents us from being able to iterate as quickly. It prevents us from being, you know, as as open to, you know, changes or R&D or you know, just general business expense for growth.
0: Right. And not only that, you're putting another layer in between mm-hmm. the customer, which is is then potentially receiving that feedback and not necessarily and just, always passing it along and we've
1: had horror stories where where they have contacted the, the the company that they bought it from saying hey this broke or this did
0: this we don't hear anything you know and and you guys know when you go to the store and you buy some so let's say you go to home depot or you go to you know wherever and you buy an appliance and it's mm-hmm. got that little tag in there that mm-hmm. says please 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 contact us first do not mm-hmm. take it back to the store right yep. and of course as consumers we go screw that I'm yeah. just going to take it back I'm just to the gonna return store it. mm-hmm. because it's just way more convenient than having to make a phone call or having a conversation. You know, thankfully there are people that that do that, but that is the complete flip side of that uh, mm-hmm. uh, coin because you you don't get to collect that feedback. No. Nope. You oftentimes it's way more expensive as a company because Home Depot gets that microwave back and Mm -hmm. you better believe they're just going to send it they're just going to send it straight back to you yeah and and Um, you have
1: to credit them for that you know for that item and and that's the cost of
0: doing business right mm -hmm. so you're not only not collecting that feedback but now you've potentially you've incurred some
1: shipping costs and hopefully that rate of
0: that happening is is low but um that's that's the, that's kind of the cost of like yeah. getting into the mainstream. So I don't know that there's a perfect solution there. There are, you know, we do the same thing. We do some wholesale, we do some retail. Mm-hmm. Um, I always prefer the retail, Yeah, like we get, well, in a lot of regards, but you know, like mm-hmm. the, the communication, I like getting the feedback because we're still new as a company. We're still trying to get some sense of like what's working, what's not, how do we screw up? Mm-hmm. You know, that is so critical. Yeah. At MVP stage, too. absolutely, it's because you're, that's how you're determining if it's viable or not. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, the truth is, you're not going to get into wholesale until you're some degree of viability, because wholesalers aren't going to want to mm-hmm. just be like, "Oh, brand new product, cool. We have no idea how it's going to sell." No, mm-hmm. they, they they operate on oh on yeah hard facts on data, sales yep. data, and stuff like that. They're you know, that's a bit of a digression, but I think it, it well, talks I think it ties into everything. Though. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, and it, and it ties it back to mm-hmm. to again, your your Making that evaluation, it's all about that business intelligence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Courtney. Courtney replied to our filmmaker. It is uh, uh, the additives to make prints more easily uh, are, are way better. Makes it. There's still film, uh, bad filament out there from newer companies and stuff like that, but by far and far by and large, her impression is that it's better. So that's great. Good. We're not crazy. <laughs> Uh, and Adam says the only filament he struggles with is the, co- the free coil that comes with a box of print. There's probably a reason that's the <laughs> coil, right? Like that's the first thing I think. That's the offcuts. Like, cuts. <laughs> eh, we'll just throw this in.
1: Instead yeah. of throwing it away, they're like, hey, we could give it to the customer and let them deal with it. Well, right.
0: And maybe nine times out of 10, it's good. and it would, uh, But, like, but uh, that, <laughs> that's kind of crummy, right? Because it's like, well, they can't complain because it was a free sample. Sure. I mean, they'll compl- you can complain. You
1: can <laughs> complain all you want. <laughs> and
0: I would argue that that's actually damaging because it's like you, you're trying to set an impression of the overall experience, right? Why would you throw in a crummy piece it, of it, thing to test with yeah. that's not going to make your product you know, shine? Because yeah. Because obviously there's a the cost of including film ahead. That's yeah, a, absolutely. That's another digression <laughs> for another time. Uh, um. Winslow, oh, here's a customer of mine, Winslow Joy, thank you. I was extremely impressed in the attention to detail in the packing of the rep boxes I have purchased. Packing slips need to make a comeback. Well, that's, a thank you, first of all. <laughs> uh, and that's funny too, because that's another thing I beat myself up about. I still, you know, I want to get to that point where I open it and I've got all the custom cut molded parts and, you know, sure, kind of that unboxing experience. Is, is such a critical first impression a lot of the time, as much as people would say, well, it's, it's just the packaging. Yeah. But, but like, it just sets the tone. Oh, it does. It does. And so when I'm looking at like my silly like corrugated wrap and I tape it and, you know, box went, like it's come a long way. It used to be way jankier. I mean, I
1: remember getting my first rep box. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> throw the parts in a box. It was and literally thrown in a box. Viable, yeah. it's, it's also minimum viable packaging. Yeah. Right? You yeah. learn very quickly yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: that actually investing some time and energy and, Doing some informal drop testing or formal drop testing if you want. Uh, you know, ship it across, like see how it handles, Mm -hmm. uh, is gonna do wonders in multiple, you know, things you're having less damage, but you're also every time something arrives, damaged. Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. you're setting that incorrect first impression. Yeah. You know, and like I said, we're lucky we get a lot of grace from from people here. Mm -hmm. Um Winslow, I'm glad to hear that you like the the way we've laid out the bomb. I'm constantly noodling if you know I need to read reconfigure it and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think we've gotten to a point where it's like it's obviously worked. We haven't we haven't gotten a, uh, a lot more negative feedback in terms of like oh the packaging failed. I mean I mean there's mm-hmm. there's times where you know UPS will do just an, an exceptional number. Uh, yeah. You know, with yeah. something where it's like you can only go so far. Yeah, yeah, you can't be yeah. <laughs> there's diminishing return
1: Yeah, right absolutely.
0: But uh but but that was a big part of the the minimum product like well, what do I need to do to make people feel like I'm getting my money's worth.
1: Yeah, and you actually bring up a whole other interesting topic for us. Like what we had to do, uh, you know, we have a dangerous good. Uh, Dangerous goods are regulated, heavily regulated. Danger glue. Yeah, danger glue. (laughs) Don't drink this. Please don't. Please don't. But, uh, you know, we we had a dangerous good and it was, you know, there was regulations. It had to be in a bag. It had to have two means of closures. Uh, The bag had to hold the product. It also had to be absorbed into the, you know, uh, into something, uh, you know, it had to be able to sustain like a three meter drop test, the freeze test, reduce pressure, excessive heat, like all, all of these things. And, uh, you know, as a small business, who's just getting started, how do you, how do you determine, you know, like, do you meet all these requirements? How do you fund, you know, the destruction, the destruction testing that right. is required. Right. Uh, and so, you know, what we did was, is we, we, you know, thankfully, um, their, the Department of Transportation gives these these regulations, and they also allow for self certification. But you have to keep test results; you have to prove that you've certified. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, that's one of those other things that could went into our minimum viable product is could we get something that met those minimum requirements at first? Right. That then we, would allow us to actually sell it. And so, the, you know, when we were developing Gloop back in the day, we were like six layers deep. And okay, do we have something that hits? this minimum requirement do we have something that hits this minimum requirement you know all the way down the line until we can actually get a product that that we could sell (laughs) yeah you know but it all started really with do you know and, and you know we went backwards we said okay well in order to get to here where we have the product to sell we have to see if people even want the product right and and then if people want the product, then from there we can start working backwards and then go through all of that testing. Because if we would have done that first, we would have you know never been able to e- even fund the dang thing.
0: Sure. <laughs> well, I was gonna say a lot of times it's infuriating because you don't even know what minimum is. So in your mm-hmm. case, it's like you had to do a lot of learning around. Like you probably realized, like oops, we we weren't like I didn't know yeah. I couldn't just throw that in a bag and ship it. Like you, sure, you had to learn about DOT regulations over time. And well, yeah, that. and hopefully you don't find out. The the hard way. And I
1: had to get hazmat certified. Like I had to go through safety training schools and all of this stuff. All (laughs)
0: things that, that customers don't think about when they look at like, why is this that expensive? You're like, Mm -hmm. well, because I had to pay, you know, what was it? 16 grand to get hazmat certified. Something It was insane amount of money.
1: It it was a lot of money. And I had to like, I I think I had to go up to Wisconsin to actually do the training, uh, where, you know, I would be, become certified to do that. Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah.
0: And so of course, nobody's thinking about those because, if you're just a a backyard chemist or, a mm-hmm. chemist or whatever, and you're yeah. like, I'm just mixing this up, and people are buying it, and then yeah, that's why as as a company that's doing things right, uh-huh. you know, you start to get mad when people. I don't know yeah. if mad's the right thing because sure. we all kind of get our start somewhere, right? Yeah, and we're probably pushing the envelope a little bit on what we should be doing. Hopefully. You know, because we didn't know, and we learned mm-hmm. as we go, and hopefully it's not as a result of being fined an insane amount of money. Or yeah, something like that. <laughs> but um, you know, you learn pretty quickly, and it, and it almost feels like what minimum is as you grow becomes it gets much bigger and be- bigger like and bigger. Cost. Yeah, because it's yep. just like okay, well now you've reached this spot. Like for example, like we reached some volume now where we we got flagged on the the the. the um, the Census Bureau, mm-hmm. they do all these trade um, analysis analyses yeah. and surveying, where they'll send you like, "We need you to fill out this three-hour sur- uh, survey," and you're required by law mm-hmm. to do that. And I'm like, "Wait, so now I have the burden of, of all this administrative, <laughs> like, digging for stuff." Yep. And they're like, "Yep," uh, and that's what the cost is. Is if, if you want to be an exporter, yeah, you you have to do that. You have to do it, yeah, right. And it was just and unfortunately I think these are the things that often scare away like makers and people from getting started. Cause you're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to deal with all that BS. Yeah. Um, thankfully you don't, you don't get hit with it all. It's not once. a day one. Yeah. No. And, and sometimes it's not a day one. Cause you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. It, but,
1: and i do think like again a big key takeaway here is is if you focus on that minimum you know what is what is minimally required to get the job done what is you know what can i do today to get proof that i am working towards a solution or what can i do Today that is going to give me the biggest return for my time invested. Right. Uh, you know, in that, in that, I, I can prove out that this is this idea has legs. This product has legs. Uh, that I'm going to be able to generate a revenue that could solve all of these other what ifs that I might not even know what is out there. Uh, you know, and especially as this as, as this blue ocean, you know, starts turning more and more to a red ocean. Um, you know, how could we capitalize? on on that um and so these are all business
0: factors that that need to be you know evaluated right so right yeah um so let's let's try to tie it all up with a bow as we close out the hour here um in terms of like advice to people getting started like i i I would say we're, we're not trying to throw out these horror stories as a means of you know driving people away, mm-hmm. you know, that's just the realities of, of what it is and hopefully like as you grow and stuff, but like if you're giving advice to somebody that's like, like we say, like we want people to take things from a passion project mm-hmm. and, and you know, if you're passionate about it, like it needs to feel achievable. We don't want people to burn out. Like what are your, what's your advice for somebody getting started in terms of like mapping out what MVP might be for them?
1: Uh, so, you know, really, I, I think it comes down to you have an idea. Um, what, what can you do to test the idea? Uh, you know, cause we, ideas are, are, are in essence in that, va- you know, just like they have no value. They have no real tangible, you know, legs to them until you can start, uh, you know, proving them out. Um. And so sometimes it's as simple, you know, I actually go back to, uh, when the Google glasses, if you remember those, yeah, the, yeah, the, um, there the was a team, holes, yeah, right? was, yeah, yeah. I had it, to say,
0: don't go into the locker room with your Google glasses. Yeah. On. Yeah. So, so I remember
1: <laughs> yeah. that there was a, there was an article about the, the team at Google, the, the Google X labs or whatever it was called back then, how they were prototyping the interactivity of the glasses. Uh, and they did that literally on day one and just to see if it had legs you <laughs> the idea was that they got some popsicle sticks and string and hot glue and they glued this frame and you know, to like a pair of glasses and they had, you know, they tied strings to their fingers so that they, you know, and on weights where they would do some swiping or, you know, some hand gestures so that, you know, that they could train themselves. And yeah. that is a perfect example of what is a minimum viable product. Now it's not a product, but it's, it's the concept that to prove it out and, and then you, document this. I've said this before. The only difference between doing science and screwing around is writing it down. Yeah. Writing it down. So as long as you're as long as you're screwing around but writing it down, you're actually doing
0: science. So that's how I justify all the science I do. So take some copious notes. Yeah.
1: So so take some notes. Start proving out this idea and, and start thinking through, you know, yes, at the end of the day, it might be really cool to have that Google Glass built. But if you are in your own head where you don't have any feedback from anyone else, you could build something that no one wants. And to an uh, to an extent, that's kind of what they did, it, uh, you know, they then, the, yeah. they, they were like, wow, okay, this is cool. So at first, they were like, they were great, and they had people come in and test it and and everything else, and this is where it started derailing. They realized, like, this is really cool, and then they locked it all down, and then they built it mm-hmm. inside a lab, outside of the purview, of it, or outside of anyone's, you know, knowledge, and then they introduced it as some great new technology, and it was a total flop. Right. because it became became an internal echo chamber. So what can you do? Could you send out like we did, bottles of gloop to people and say, could you test this for us? You know, like, could you tell us what it, you know, what, what you like, what you don't like? Um, you know, could you, could you 3D print something of your product idea? What could you do to rapid prototype just to start proving it out? Understand, it's not going to be perfect. Right. Don't try and build the end result. Try and build something that's close. And even if you have to say, well, listen, it's not exact. This is what I want it to be. But, you know, just get it out there.
0: So what I would layer on to that for me is that, yes, you're absolutely right. You know, like mm-hmm. like document, lay it out there, but don't be disheartened by the fact that you may not and probably won't get it right the first time, right? Yes. So you may come up with a product that nobody wants, or it may be a, ahead of its time. I mean, there there are terms like 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 the just you know y- you, a lot of times as makers we come up with these concepts that just. The rest of the world hasn't, you know, gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. But um, when I think about the first prototypes of uh, the rep box and stuff, and you guys have heard the other CAD, cardboard assisted design, cardboard aided design, right? Yeah. Where it's like we were literally cutting apart cardboard boxes and putting them on there, uh, putting them together, and mm-hmm. glue, hot gluing them, hot those. glue uh, and uh, tape. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, before we ever got into like figuring out how we we're gonna do that. Uh, in fact, Mike said he has a V1, so he what his rep box wasn't that far off from a cardboard <laughs> version of the box. I mean, I look at the yeah. you've seen it. Yeah, we have the museum of rep yeah. box in in the shop now, and looking at the V1 uh, or uh, it was it was even a pre V1, like the things yeah. that we originally took to Earth and sold. Yeah, uh, there were were like pre release, and that's
1: a perfect example of an MVP. When you went to Earth, you you brought these things that you had built, and you're like. Do people or would people even be interested in purchasing this? Right. And you had them on display and, and And correct me if I'm wrong, but people, you know, kind of were like, oh, my God, this is really cool. Like, you know, can we order this? Can we
0: do this? And that's kind of the start. That that is, that is absolutely the start. And it gave us a lot of ideas, like just having like going to that trade show. Mm hmm. And, and testing viability in person. Like mm-hmm. we, we were able to get ideas and move way faster than we would have just trying to get it out there and get... You know, trade shows are a fantastic tool. And, Mahal, I did see your comment earlier about Earth and the tables being filled up and all that. And... and um, you know, yes, there are other trade shows and stuff out there, but I would I would encourage you to come and just walk ch- around. Just come out and walk around if you want. Um, it, you know, show up uh, and participate, and and even if you can't get a table, like maybe there's some design or something that you can carry around. Mm-hmm. There, there are people that that do that. I, I don't think Earth is, especially if they're sold out. I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to care, and and you know who knows. But um, the point being, uh, getting that feedback quickly mm-hmm. on viability and stuff like that. That's a great way to do it. Going to make And you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money or mm-hmm. have the table or have the booth. You know, people do that. Um, you can, mm-hmm. but uh, that's a great way to, that's a great way to test. And it all ties back to what I said before, like lean into the fact that we have these tool sets available to us now that allow us to iterate and pivot. Yep. So you might be wrong. You might get it out there. You might have a Google glass on your hands where it, may still be ahead of its time. It may just be a non-starter, whatever. Try it out and don't look at that as a complete failure. Yep. Get to the next thing. Like I said, we've talked about, it. and I think it's time for us, for a future one, to do maybe a Power of the Pivot V2 or Redux yeah. or something like that, because that is such a uh, thing that mm-hmm. is is inherently difficult, and, but it's so... Critical in your success. Yep.
1: Don't don't get discouraged when things aren't going the right way. Um, You know, if if you've built something, and you know, for us, we wanted we value more negative feedback on our products than the positive feedback because it tells us the areas that we can do better in. Uh, Don't get me wrong; I love the positive feedback. You know, but the negative feedback of hey, this is what happened. This is what failed. Right. It's more valuable to me to know what what went wrong, so yeah. that I can pivot and I can change it. This is why Gloop is no longer using you know the chemicals that we used back in the day. It's made in a different way because of this constant feedback. You you,
0: you had killed off all those customers within the bad chemicals, and oh now yeah, you have, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So there's a culling. Yeah, a culling. I'm joking, <laughs> I'm joking. No, yeah. Uh yeah no no absolutely uh Winslow perfect quote we've heard it time and time again I love it I need it an embroidery or laser cut on my wall you know perfect is the enemy of good yep perfect synopsis of the whole thing uh and it and I think it wraps up you know what we're trying to say and like I said just get it out there talk to people be involved in the community you really need to make an effort like I said to be out there. If you want that feedback from people, people are happy to give it, but you you can't be defensive about it. You have to be receptive mm-hmm. to it. And you know, to, to tag along with what you said, like that's more valuable to you in the long run. Like those customers that give mm-hmm. like that start off coming at you guns blazing and pissed yep. off. 9 times out of 10 for us, like we win them over by like yep. We respond, we take we take responsibility for it, we make it right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my God, like this is so refreshing yep. in this day and age. Like Adam, uh, um, a uh, power belt, like hand writes a note with every order that he, I see, I don't know if you've noticed, like uh, yeah, he I sent have not me one with some of the stuff that I've done and he's constantly, you know, posting on his thing. And it's a, it's a great personal That's touch. That's awesome. Oftentimes I'll, if I see people, especially that I recognize in my orders, I try to make, uh, make time to like, <laughs> thanks so much for the order pooch, you know, I'll write it right yeah. on the packing slip or something nice. like that. Um, I wish I could do that more, but yeah. But uh, those little things like really make a difference and will pay massive dividends to you on multiple fronts. So um, I think that's a good place to, to yeah. wrap for today. I really appreciate you guys joining us in the chat and feeding us ideas, keeping the conversation going. We will get back to the call-in thing if you want to join us uh, on future ones. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll be back at it next Friday uh, with a whole new topic and uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Until then, keep making, guys, uh, and uh, just, just do it. Just get it out there, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, we will catch you guys all soon. Have a great Friday and a great weekend, everybody. See ya.